Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today we are exploring the climactic 19th parak of Melachim Bet. The kingdom of Yehuda finds itself overwhelmingly seized by the Assyrian forces with one last stronghold in Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim itself is under a perilous siege. Last parak, you'll recall the formidable Assyrian general and messenger of Sanchirev, Nimrav Shakeh. He frightened the people of Yushalayim, calling out to them and, and blaspheming God and saying, don't be fooled by your king Chizkiah, uh, that, that your God is going to save you. All the nations of the world, they all say that they're going to be saved by their gods. And look what happened to them. They were all summarily destroyed and captured and conquered by our mighty Assyrian king and our mighty Assyrian forces. The same fate awaits you. And our parak opens with this message being carried to the king, to Chizkiah, who upon hearing it tears his clothing but then immediately jumps into action. He sends a messenger to Yeshayahu Hanavi, to the Navi Yeshaya, who makes, by the way, his Tanakh debut in this parak. And the messengers uh, deliver the following words. They say that today is a day of rebuke and trouble. Why? Ki ba'u banim ad mashber The children are nearly brought to the birthing stool, meaning the children are are, are quite nearly born. There's a baby that's about to be born, but the mother doesn't have the strength to bring forth the child. Now consider that kind of bizarre metaphor. What would you, what would you, how would you describe, what would be the metaphor of choice if you were going to try to characterize the situation that the nation finds themselves in, that the people of Yushalayim find themselves in? I would think it's almost like a, a wounded animal, a sick person, something that is on the, on the brink of, of dying. But Chizkiah sees it differently. He sees it like a mother on the birthing stool about to bring forth the child that just needs to get over that hump, just needs the right energy in order to complete the task. How does that capture this scene, this moment? It's because, yes, there is, uh, there is terrible pain right now. Just as a mother in childbirth, it is incredibly painful. And yes, there's also attendant danger. There's a danger if things don't go right, uh, that either things will end tragically for the mother or the baby. And of course, in the ancient world, that was far more common than it is today. However, Chizkiah recognizes that this moment also has enormous potential. He's saying, if we get this right, if we summon the strength, the, the faith in God and the courage in this moment, we can bring forth new life. A new beginning is possible, a new beginning that's full of hope and prosperity. Chizkiah, even in the depths of this moment, doesn't just see it as, you know, save us from, from the brink of destruction. He says, let's turn this potential moment of tragedy into something that is miraculous and positive and good. So he really has this great vision. And, and he wants, of course, he, he notes that the Assyrians should be destroyed. He doesn't, he doesn't speak about his own merits or the merits of the people, but he says a nation that is blaspheming, blaspheming God in this way, so God should almost, you know, do it, do it on your behalf, God, that your name should be made great and shouldn't be uh, taunted in this way, and you should deliver the, us from the hands of the Assyrians for that reason. So that's the message that is brought to Yeshayahu Hanavi, who responds, by sending word to Chizkiah saying not to worry that Rav Shakeh, this, this intermediary, this messenger, uh, will, will have cause to leave and to return home and that he, will be, he himself will be killed. And, and the parak then tells us that that's just what happens. But of course, the 
the primary adversary is still there. Sancheirev and the army are still at the gates of Yerushalayim. So how does this resolve anything? Sancheirev then goes on to send a message uh, to Chizkiyahu. Uh, it is a, a written out scroll, a message, which basically delivers the same kind of blasphemous, haughty message that Rav Shakeh had previously uh, delivered, saying that, that God is not going to offer them any safe haven, no, no refuge in this moment, and that they should surrender. And at this time, Chizkiah goes, uh, he goes himself uh, to Hashem to prostrate himself before, before God in the Beis HaMikdash, and he spreads out the scrolls that were written by Sancheirev before God, again, kind of delivering the same idea that this is the message that they are saying of you, uh, and, and, uh, and, and praying that Hashem will intervene almost on God's own uh, on, on God's own on God's own account, and then Chizkiah offers this beautiful prayer, professing God's control over the whole world, and pleading that He destroy the Assyrian forces. Now, if we, we pause here. Uh, we'll note that the, the past few steps of this parak are strange. Initially, initially Chizkiah consults with Yeshaya Navi and seems to get positive news. But the solution that he gets, and, and what ultimately happens with Rav Shaket, is only really partial. He prophesies that Rav Shaket is going to be taken out of the picture. Okay, that's good. But the bigger problem is still there. There's still 185,000 Assyrian troops camped on the, on the walls of Yerushalayim. So what do we make of that, that intermediate step where, uh, where Chizkiah sends word to Yeshaya? Yeshaya delivers him this positive uh, response, but it's it doesn't it, it doesn't really seem to get to the heart of the of the problem. And I think maybe we can say that initially Chizkiah's response was actually insufficient. He sent messengers to the Navi, who himself is a messenger of God. And as a result, what was the response? God dispensed with Sancheirev's messenger, Rav Shakeh. It's almost as if that was a coded message to Chizkiah that his kind of insufficient supplication uh, would only yield an insufficient resolution to the problem. And I think Chizkiah gets that message because what happens after that? He goes and he prostrates, first Sancheirev sends another, this, this letter, and then Chizkiah doesn't turn back to Yeshayahu. He doesn't turn back to Yeshayahu Navi. Instead, he goes directly and prays before God, God himself. He prays directly to God, and it is to that that he receives the fuller, answer, the fuller resolution of the problem. After he supplicates himself directly to Hashem, then he gets word from Yeshayahu Hanavi uh, that uh, his prayers have been answered, that, that Chizkiah's prayers have been answered. And now God uh, says, and this is delivered through Yeshayahu, um, that, uh, that he, he's going, he kind of addresses his message to the Assyrians. And Hashem responds, to the taunts of the Assyrians, almost kind of mocking them back, saying that they're fools and, and unaware that God is in control of everything and that God is ultimately in control of their behavior as well and, and, and that God is going to rein them in. And following that, we're told that the, uh, an angel, right? This is the, the famous deliverance in this moment. The angel of God goes and strikes the Assyrian camp, killing 185,000 soldiers in one night. Uh, seeing this, Sancheirev is, is frightened and he runs back to his uh, home, to his palace in Ninveh. And we're told uh, that he is then assassinated shortly thereafter by his own children as he uh, prostrates himself and is engaged in idol worship. You know, and, 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 and so ends the Perek. I think rarely is there a Perek 
uh, or, or any story in Tanakh that seems so neatly wrapped up in a bow, kind of a hap- they live happily ever after type of conclusion. Of course, we'll see in the coming Prakim that things are a little bit more complicated. Uh, they always are. But this parak still stands out as one of these awesome, miraculous moments in Jewish history, an awesome deliverance from the, from the very gates of, of despair and destruction. And in a very deep way, uh, it's retelling here and in Sefer Yeshayahu and in Divrei Hayamim, they're meant to evoke uh, a kind of Kriyas Yamsuf type of moment, the splitting of the sea and the drowning of the Egyptians. Now, it would take a, a sheer length treatment to fully explore all the parallels. I'd actually recommend Rabbi David Foreman's series on Aleph Beta on this topic, which I, I actually only, only kind of stumbled on and, and really enjoyed. So I highly recommend that as a deep exploration of the parallels between these narratives and the ways in which uh, this narrative of Chizkiah is meant to evoke and, and to like, kind of place itself next to all of those stories. But for now, we'll just conclude by, I think, taking a moment to recognize and internalize the beauty and the power of this parak, the revelation of Chizkiah that he needs to beseech God himself, the sincere prayer that Chizkiah offers to God, the faith that he places in God, his optimism that this wasn't simply suffering, but that it was suffering of, a, of it was like the suffering of a pregnant woman about to bring forth new life, and ultimately the swift deliverance brought about by God to crush the Assyrians without so much as one arrow being flung at the chosen city. That's it for today. Chazak, ve'ematz, and happy learning.